Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts right after this. We're thrilled to announce that the North Valley Nut Conference is taking place on January 31st at Silver Dollar Fairgrounds in Chico, California. This event is held in conjunction with University of California Cooperative Extension. It's a golden opportunity for professionals in the tree nut industry. Network with our exhibitors and sponsors who are committed to your success in the orchard. Earn valuable continuing education units and expand your knowledge on the latest industry trends. Listen to our expert speakers, share valuable insights and practical advice, but attendance is filling up fast. So make sure you visit myaglife.com backslash events and register today. We hope to see you there. In our North American Agribusiness Review, experts from Rabobank have assessed strawberry shipping point prices are around $10 for a flat of non-organic strawberries during the first half of October as shipments from California continue to be steady. Blueberry production and exports out of Peru have declined as an unusually warm winter has impacted yields there. Due to this, fresh blueberry availability in the U.S. is down about 60% year over year, while wholesale prices in the U.S. average over $5 a ton for non-organic fruit, nuts, up about 120% year-over-year by mid-October, showing that year-round demand has considerably expanded. After delayed start, California table grapes were affected by an atypical rain. Fruit quality and availability declined while harvesting costs have increased considerably. By mid-October, blended prices were about $32 a box, and that's up 50% year-over-year. Similarly, stone fruits have been impacted by Hurricane Hillary, with some operators ending the season early. Prices for peaches and nectarines are up 30% year over year, and prices will remain elevated the rest of the season. Lemon shipping point prices were just over $43 a carton. That's up 32% year over year, surpassed in a five-year average for mid-October by 18%. The USDA estimates that the U.S. lemon crop will decline in 2023-2024 by 12% year over year. Valencia orange prices were around $25 a carton, up 1% with respect to the five-year average for mid-October. Although smaller in size, Sweet Caroline blackberries pack a big flavor punch. The variety is a little blackberry that is primed to put more blackberries in more households. With blackberries trailing their counterparts, which are raspberries, blueberries, and strawberries in household penetration, better tasting blackberry varieties are the key to getting more consumers to try them. Building on the past two years is momentum. Berry Fresh is excited for this year's Sweet Caroline season from Mexico. Sweet Caroline is forecasted to begin entering the market in late December, with a heavier supply hitting in late February and continuing through spring. Sweet Caroline is a blackberry variety co-owned by Berry Fresh, which is headquartered in Compton and is known for its sweet flavor and resistance to red cells. California produces 97% of the nation's fresh artichokes and 75% of those are grown in Monterey County. The artichoke is the county's official vegetable and tourists flock to restaurants and farm stands along the artichoke trail, which opened in 1957. Yet artichoke production on California's central coast has steadily fallen over the past three decades. This is partly due to a transition from perennial artichoke plants to an annual or seeded variety in the 1990s after a lengthy cold snap killed acres of perennial artichokes in the county. As of November 22nd, the Citrus Pest and Disease Prevention Division has officially updated the requirements for moving bulk citrus fruit within and from a one-along bean quarantine area to a packer process. The update includes if you are moving bulk citrus within a contiguous HLB quarantine zone, there is now no mitigation required. 
if you are moving bulk citrus within a contiguous HLB quarantine area, but out of the original ACP regional quarantine zone, one HLB mitigation is required. If you are moving bulk citrus between two non-contiguous HLB quarantine zones, there is now one HLB mitigation required. If you are moving bulk citrus outside of an HLB quarantine area, but within the same county, there is no HLB mitigation required. If you are moving bulk citrus fruit to an area outside of the HLB quarantine zone and outside of the Oregon County, two HLB mitigations or a wet wash are required. All fruit, no matter what its origin or destination, must be completely safeguarded with a tarp or enclosed vehicle while in transit per requirements listed in a compliance agreement. The CPDPD will be signing revised compliance agreements with growers within an HLB quarantine, as well as packers and processors receiving fruit from a quarantined area. For more information and details, go to the Citrus Pest and Disease Prevention Division website. In the 1960s, dairy farmers along the Marin Coast agreed to sell ranches to the federal government to facilitate creation of the Point Reyes National Seashore. That sales accord created a partnership enabling 27 working ranches to continue operating scattered between public beaches, hiking trails, campgrounds, and later a reserve for native tool elk. But now farmers say their livelihoods are threatened by lawsuits over the U.S. National Park Service's management of ranching, as well as by a recent proposal by park officials to remove fencing that separates elk from livestock. As California's weather swings from droughts to floods, farmers say they are planning for either extreme, but remain confident knowing the water supply in the state reservoirs is well above the historical average for this time of the year. The currently abundant surface water stored in reservoirs across the state is a result of an El Nino weather pattern that brought soaking atmospheric river storms and flooding earlier this year. But since the 2024 water year began on October 1st, the state has received little precipitation and snow. After nearly 60 years of showing cattle, Tulare County dairy farmer Joey Eroso acknowledged he's pretty well known in competition circles. Though he has taken home various prizes through the years, Eroso says he was completely surprised when he was named the 81st winner of the Klusendorf Award, widely regarded as the Hall of Fame for dairy cattle exhibitors. Eroso manages a family dairy in Pixley that milks 2,600 cows and grows 1,600 acres of alfalfa, corn, wheat, and pistachios. His family also brings and sells registered Holsteins and jerseys. From the California Cotton Jenners and Growers Association here today, the Cal OSHA Standards Board has released a second notice for a comment period on additional changes to the proposed indoor heat illness standard. Most of the proposed changes are minor and the regulation remains overly burdensome and potentially problematic for many agricultural buildings, according to the organization. One change has to do with accessing shipping containers, even if only for a brief time. Many industries are commenting on that provision, as well as another change that deleted the provisions addressing employees who may be going from outdoors to indoors or vice versa. Cal OSHA previously had included a provision that addressed that issue, but now has removed it, causing some confusion. The California Cotton Jenners and Growers Association is a part of a large coalition led by the State Chamber of Commerce on the matter. When the Sonrays talk about their business, Sonray Family Foods near Oroville, they aren't kidding. The three brothers, who are fifth-generation farmers, are all involved, as are two cousins. Their father, Greg, who stepped back from day-to-day operations, still helps out, and other cousins are involved with the gift shop. From the time the Sonray family moved from Kansas to Northern California in the early 1900s, they've grown a myriad of crops. 
Currently, they produce rice and almonds, and their cousins grow walnuts and prunes. The quest for vertical integration and value added led them to start a direct-to-consumer retail business in 2014 and a food manufacturing facility in 2015. Derek Sonray is joined by his brothers Andrew and Alex in the business. Sonray Family Foods processes and sells their own crops as well as their cousins. In addition, they handle items from small local businesses. My great grandfather came out in 1919, and he had a, a wagon and a team of mules, and he started building canal systems and saved up enough money to start buying ground and started farming. And since then, we've done rice, almonds, prunes, walnuts, beans, hay, organic rice, catfish, row crops, cattle, bees. We've pretty much done it all. And nowadays, we we stick to rice and almonds. And still have walnuts and prunes in the family too. The Sonrays had considered marketing direct to consumer for some time, but when Derek graduated from Chico State, he said they thought that the time was right to begin, and they've never looked back. It's kind of been a a thing that the entire family's wanted to do for a long time. You know, we worked so hard to produce these crops, and it was kind of you know we'd love to see people enjoy them and be able to again vertically integrate and cut out some middlemen. And so we started it when I got out of college. I was willing to do it, and the family we all stood together and and did it, and we haven't looked back since. So yeah, it's been going been going good, and we're slowly expanding and and growing. The food manufacturing side turns raw almonds into almond butters, including chocolate and snickerdoodle flavors. It also produces flavored snack almonds such as smoky jalapeno and bacon maple. Derek credits his cousin Cyrus Fountain for developing the flavors and figuring out how to apply the flavor coatings. So, as far as the food manufacturing side goes, we we wanted to make sure that everybody was able to enjoy our hard work, and we wanted to provide flavors that we enjoyed. And so, we set the bar really high for ourselves. And thanks to my cousin Cyrus and and the hard work of a bunch of people, we we were able to come up with the flavors that we currently have and. Figure out all the tricks to being able to do it, which was a lot of work and and tough to do. But we we're really happy with what we have now. So testing is always fun, unless they don't taste good, because we just you know we do our own taste tests and take them to friends and family. We're always experimenting, playing with new things. You know we're starting to do more limited edition runs. So now we're doing like the mint, pumpkin pie almonds, or the orange cream almonds. Those are a couple that we did this year. You know we'll get limited supply and then. And see how they sell, and kind of test with the consumers what they like. One of the benefits of the retail business is adding value to a raw crop. But Derek said they also gain satisfaction providing a tasty and healthy end product to the consumer. So as far as the benefits, yeah, we're adding value, kind of controlling our own destiny a little bit. We're again being able to see our our work go from you know a baby almond tree all the way up into an adult tree, and and then into the mouths of our customers. It adds another layer of pride into the work that we do. Derek said they quickly learned that the retail business was entirely different from growing crops. Marketing directly to consumers also has taken away any slow time they had after harvest. But he said being busy year-round isn't necessarily a bad thing. So there's lots of downsides and challenges to doing、uh, retail work. We are farmers, and retail is difficult. And we learned that extremely well and fast once we dove into that、uh, market. There's not many slow times for us anymore. We pretty much between planting and harvesting, you know, the the slower months that we used to have are now tied up with retail, which is fine. It just it's just busy, and we like to be busy. And then labor is a big one. 
it's just different types of jobs trying to keep people employed and keep them through the busy months and everything else is always fun to deal with and just retail is it's a whole nother beast compared to just growing crops Right now, their gift shop off Highway 99 is a Christmas wonderland all decorated for the season. Sonray's cousin Brenda and Aunt Sylvia are responsible for determining the product mix, as is gift shop manager Ashley Smith. So my cousin Brenda and Aunt Sylvia, they do all the decorating up there. They help a ton with figuring out the products that go into the gift shop. Uh, We've also got some great employees and our gift shop manager, Ashley, that they go through. They go to trade shows and all kinds of different things that they look at and try to keep up with the newest trends and things that people want. And they do a great job of keeping us with some really great products in there. The family retail business isn't limited to the gift shop. On a recent visit by My Ag Life, workers behind the scenes were busy putting together gift baskets and gift boxes for local companies as well as national firms. In addition, Derek said they have an e-commerce website and also sell their product locally at grocery stores. Part of the Sonray's philosophy is to support other small businesses, so they carry a number of locally produced items in their gift shop to complement their food products. In fact, he said about 80% of all items they sell are locally produced. Obviously, we have the holiday season with the, the gift shop, and we also do lots of gift baskets and gift boxes for local companies and national companies. And we deliver or ship out those boxes and baskets to to their, you know, whoever they want to send them to, customers and family and friends. We also do retail sales. So we sell in grocery stores and everything else. And it's always a busy time in there. So keeping everybody stocked up and, and going through the Christmas season. And then, again, we're always looking for new products. Some of the newer products we have right now locally are the candy box from Oroville. They have this freeze-dried candy, which kind of sounds weird, but it's really good. And then Double Buck Winery, they've got these great cookies and truffles. And then obviously we've got some jewelry for gifts and stuff. Summer Moon Jewelry has some really great new stuff that we the consumers have been loving. Derek recently graduated from the USA Rice's Young Leadership Development Program, and he said it has provided him with countless skills that he uses every day in their businesses. So I just finished up the USA Rice Leadership Program. It was my first leadership program that I've uh, been a part of. I would love to do some in the ammon industry as well. I've got three little kids right now, so my wife might not love it if I do another leadership course this soon. But you learn so many great things in these programs. I can't stress enough to people to apply to them and uh, participate. The things that we learn in these programs, I I use every day in, in our businesses. For more information about Sonray's family business, visit sonrayfamilyfoods.com. That's S-O-H-N-R-E-Y, Family Foods, all one word, dot com. This is Vicki Boyd reporting for My Ag Life. We know it's been tough managing inputs and resources lately. That's why we're inviting you to the Inputs Ag Summit on January 10th in Fresno, California. This event is a lifeline for specialty crop growers, PCAs, CCAs, and applicators alike. It's your opportunity to get help in today's challenging landscape. What will you find at the Input Ag Summit? Cost-saving seminars, networking with experts, special panel discussions, and solutions for hard times. Visit myaglife.com backslash events today to sign up for this new and exciting conference. Leadership changes in Congress and government funding issues caused turmoil in trying to pass a new five-year farm bill, prompting a one-year extension of the 2018 bill. The American Farm Bureau Federation's Executive Vice President Joby Young remains optimistic in the passage of a new bill. 
we're certainly pushing for a, for a new farm bill just as soon as possible. We would love to have seen it, you know, before the end of this year. I think the most likely scenario is that it comes in the new year. We, we, we would push and hope and, and really advocate for having one just as soon as possible in the new year, certainly in the first quarter if we can. There's ongoing debate about some policy issues that, that need to be worked out. But where we stand right now, there's a lot of work that's been done. So, you know, despite all the, the, the turmoil that, that led to uh, not being able to pass a new farm bill in the last couple months, there was still a lot of work being done. So there's a lot of working through, you know, language, examining programs, seeing what changes need to be. Mike Johnson's appointment as the new Speaker of the House has sparked optimism at AFBF, given his favorable stance towards agriculture and repeated recognition as a friend of the Farm Bureau. Young anticipates that the Speaker's support will accelerate the passage of a new Farm Bill. And one of the first things he did when he was running for Speaker, he laid out a handful of priorities and put that right at the top of the list, passing a farm bill. So we're really pleased about that. That can't be understated how important it is to have these senior leaders include that on their list of priorities. And, and he definitely did that. Joby Young with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Retail fertilizer prices were a mixed bag again during the third week of November. Average prices for five of the eight major fertilizers were lower compared to last month, while prices for the remaining three fertilizers were slightly higher. One fertilizer had a notable price move compared to last month. UAN 28 was down 6% looking back to last month. The nitrogen fertilizer had an average price of $338 per ton. The remaining four fertilizers were down just slightly. DAP had an average price of $713 per ton. Urea at $578 a ton. 10340 at $538 a ton. And UAN 32 at $402 a ton. Three fertilizers were just slightly higher in price compared to last month month. MAP had an average price of $811 a ton. Potash was at $512 a ton. And anhydrous at $833 a ton. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey is in with a final report on the cotton harvest. So we have our final look at at least the final national look at the cotton harvest progress. As of November 26th, 83% of the cotton harvested. That is four percentage points ahead of the five-year average but right on par with what we saw at this time in 2022. Now we have three of our 15 reporting states completely done with harvest, all three in the drought-affected Mississippi Delta, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Mississippi completely done with cotton harvest. On the flip side, we've been watching all along as the late-maturing California crop uh, finally starting to catch up a little bit with harvest, but only at 80% harvested on November 26th in California. Five-year average there is 91%. USA meteorologist Brad Rippey. According to recent research, adults who take up a healthier diet during their 40s can extend their lifespan by eight or more years. Evidence from a study of more than 460,000 British adults showed that people will live longer if they eat more nuts and whole grains and reduce their sugary drinks and processed meats intake. Women in their 40s who start following the NHS Eat Well Guide are expected to live eight years and seven months longer than if they were adopting a typically British unhealthy diet. Also, 40-year-old men are likely to live for almost nine years longer if they follow the Eat Well Guide, according to the study. This study has been published in a journal, Nature Food. Lead author and professor Lars Thadness says that healthy eating can prevent premature deaths from things like heart attacks and strokes. People changing their diet by as much as possible could help to achieve targets to reduce these avoidable deaths. Thadness promoted the consumption of more whole grains and nuts. 
In the last decade, the world's agricultural output grew at an average annual rate of 1.94% per year. A USA report says that's slower than a 2.74% output growth rate over the previous decade and below the average annual rate of 2.3% during the last six decades. The slowdown in agricultural growth was primarily tied to a slowing rate of growth in agricultural total factor productivity, or TFP. The world's agriculture TFP fell to 1.14% per year from 2011 to 2021, compared to 1.93% per year during the previous decade. TFP measures the amount of agricultural output produced from the aggregated inputs used in a production process, including land, labor, capital, and material resources. There are four major sources of overall growth, such as bringing more land into production, extending irrigation to land, intensifying capital use, labor, and material inputs per unit of land, and improving TFP. Applications are now open for the School Food Systems Transformation Challenge subgrants, which is part of USA's Healthy Meals Incentives Initiative. USA says the grants will transform the K-12 school food marketplace by increasing collaboration between school districts, food producers, suppliers, distributors, and community partners. Students can expect to see improvements in the quality of food on their plates thanks to these new efforts. All eligible applicants are encouraged to consider applying for one or both of the grant opportunities. The first is the Supporting Community Agriculture and Local Education Systems Grant, otherwise known as SCALES Projects. And the second is Partnerships for Local Agriculture and Nutrition in Schools Projects that are designed to increase the procurement of locally sourced foods by developing partnerships between schools and producers, as well as growers and processors. Plant projects will support regional efforts to expand scratch-cooked meal programs and create sustainable change for all school districts. USA Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack has announced the notice of funding opportunity for the first tranche of funding under the USDA's new Regional Agricultural Promotion Program. USDA is providing up to $300 million in funding in its first year to support eligible projects that enable exporters to break into new markets and increase market share in growth markets. USA Secretary of Agriculture announced the notice of funding opportunity at the President's Export Council after announcing the establishment of RAP in October as part of a bipartisan request from the Senate Committee on Agriculture, Nutrition, and Forestry. In total, RAP is a $1.2 billion program made possible through the Commodity Credit Corporation, which will be made available over five years. RAP funds are available to nonprofit U.S. agricultural trade organizations, nonprofit state regional trade groups, U.S. agricultural co- cooperatives, and state agencies that conduct approved market development activities to foster expanded exports and market diversification by encouraging the development, maintenance, and expansion of diverse commercial export markets for U.S. agricultural commodities and products. RAP awards will be generally granted for a period of performance of five years with an expected period of performance starting June 1st of 2024 and ending on September 30th of 2029. Applications are due by 5 p.m. Eastern time on February 2nd. Additional information on RAP can be found at grants.gov. We're waking up to a new dawn in agriculture, a better way farmers stop working the soil and start working with it. At Huma, our carbon-rich, humate-based products improve soil health and fertility, deliver nutrients more efficiently, and reduce crop input costs. Welcome to Humix Solutions with a human touch. Visit Huma.us to learn more. <laughs> 